0: Love getting prices that are lower than low On food that's fresher than fresh? Then shop at Kroger We give you more ways to save on the fresh you love With tools like the Kroger app Where you can find personalized coupons On top of weekly sales Giving you prices that are lower than the everyday low Kroger, fresh for everyone Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale Just buy 5 or more
1: participating items And save a dollar each with card Kroger, fresh for everyone
2: Welcome to the Exxon, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell, coming to you live and around the world on the Talkstar Radio Network, Exxon TV, and on shortwave from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. If you'd like to give me a call this hour, speak to my special guest, Nathan Brown. We're talking about the book that he has written, and uh, his book is entitled, The Complete Idiot's Guide to World Mythology. Our toll free number is 1 877 528 Toll free throughout the US, Canada, Alaska, and Hawaii. My email address is xzone at talkstarradio.com. On MSN Messenger, talkstarradio at hotmail.com. And our websites, our main website is www.xzoneradio.com. To watch and listen to us live from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, com. And uh, our new X-Zone Store is up and running at XZoneStore.com. As I said, Nathan Brown is our special guest this hour. He is a graduate teaching assistant pursuing a Master of Arts in English at a Midwestern State University in Wichita Falls, Texas, as well as a student of Dr. Evan Lansing Smith. He has been the author of such books as The Pocket Idiot's Guide to Surviving Challenge, The Everything Paying for College Book, Fallen Angels of Vengeance, and the Everything Krav Magna for Fitness book. He is currently under contract with Alpha for a new book, World Religions at Your Fingertips. Nathan, since childhood, has uh, had a driving passion for the study of myth and folklore. In adulthood, mythological study has become the, ma- the major focus of his academic career. Nathan is an expert on the applications and structures of trinities and mythology and world religions. Upon completing his master's program at Midwestern State University, he plans to continue his education by pursuing a PhD in rhetoric and/or mythological studies. And Nathan, welcome to the X Zone. Thank you. Great having you with us tonight. Uh, tell us a little bit about your 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 uh, book that we're going to be talking about tonight, The Complete Idiot's Guide to Mythology.
1: Well, it's the, the Complete Idiot's Guide to World Mythology. Um, very often, when people think of mythology, the first thing that comes into their head is uh, Greek and Roman mythology, mm-hmm. which, uh, un- which unfortunately, it's quite unfortunate because mythology is not in any way restricted to uh, the countries of Greek and, of Greece and Rome, but, or the areas of Greece and Rome. But uh, and the the world mythology is kind of like a strand that holds human beings together, and in the book that I did, I tried very much to uh, show that strand by not. Uh, separating myths by ge- by geography, instead separating them by theme and then showing mm-hmm. the overlapping themes, themes geographically.
2: How long did it take you to, uh, to collect all the evidence uh, and all the information for this book and uh, to put it together?
1: Well, th- the truth is, uh, by the time this book came around, I actually did not have to do a whole lot of research. Um, I've been studying mythology since, I would probably say since I was eight, when my wow. father first started reading King Arthur and his Knights to me. But uh, I, I have, uh, like, like you said earlier, mythology has kind of been a lifelong thing for me. So I haven't really had, had to do a whole lot of research for this book. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of this uh, w- were, were myths I was already familiar with. Uh, and, and in all honesty, the, by the time this book came around, I really did not have to do a whole lot of research. Maybe, uh, for the most part, just verifying facts,
0: honestly.
2: You and I have to take a two-minute commercial break. Nathan, please stand by. Nathan Brown is our special guest. We're talking about his book, The Complete Idiot's Guide to World Mythology. If you'd like to give us a call and uh, speak to Nathan, one eight seven seven five two eight eight two five five is toll-free throughout the U.S., Canada, Alaska, and Hawaii. That's one eight seven seven five two eight eight two five five. Once again, the Exxon store is up and working at XZoneStore.com. You can also get T-shirts from some of your favorite um, guests that we've had over the years. We're just starting that section now, but we do have uh, Carolyn Bartz's uh, T-shirt up and running. And if you'd like to uh, take a look, just go to XZoneStore.com. one 877 5288 255 is the toll-free number. XZone at TalkStarRadio.com is our main website. My producer tonight at Master Control is the one and only Gotham City Kid. So when we come back from this commercial break, more with our special guest Nathan Brown as the Exxon continues live and around the world from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada exclusively. Brown is my special guest. Um, Nathan, you've written books on a variety of subjects, almost none of which can be related to the subject of mythology. What brought you to do a world myth guide?
1: Uh, well, uh, let's see, about five, well, I it's about seven years now. Uh, I got out of the Marine Corps and started going to college and uh, started writing for the Alpha Book series, for the Idiot's Guide series. And uh, the truth is, uh, in the beginning of my career most of my books were not really related to subjects that I was really considered necessarily an expert in my job was really to coordinate with an expert on the subject and and take what they wrote and turn it into something that was far, a little bit easier to understand and, and and follow the formats that the publishers wanted uh, it's very difficult uh, in especially in today's market for them to find a not only find an expert but find an expert who can follow the formats that they set down uh, when the truth is I've been a student like I said like you said earlier of dr. Uh, uh, Evans Lansing-Smith, Smith, who is in turn a student of, of joseph campbell uh, mm-hmm. I've been one of his students for for about four or five years now and uh, and when that book came along, luckily for me, my agent snatched it up because i've been I had actually been bugging her for a book on mythology for quite some time.
2: What is it about mythology that fascinates people?
1: Well, mythology. Appeals to us in a way that we're not even conscious of, honestly. Uh, mythology appeals to human beings on a level that we can't even understand. Uh, for example, uh, if you take the, the Japanese cartoon Naruto, I, I don't know if you're familiar with it or not, uh, the Japanese cartoon Naruto is actually based on Shinto mythology. And children, not only in Japan but in other countries as well, have, have an immediate connection to this cartoon. The reason they have this media connection is because they recognize not only the situations and the journeys that are involved, but the archetypes that exist. But we, don't, we, we recognize it in the same way that we recognize the symbols that we see in dreams. We don't understand them on a conscious level. We understand them on a subconscious level. It's our, it's our body's way and our mind's way of trying to reconcile issues that we cannot consciously deal with.
2: All right, I, I, I can understand that, but where does mythology uh, fall into this?
1: Well, mythology at first, if you go back to, for example, primal myths or creation myths, mythology really began as our way of explaining why all the big questions. Uh, Why are we here? How did we get here? Uh, How long will we stay here? Will we stay here forever? Will we come back? Will we go somewhere else? And these are the questions that man has, probably humankind has probably, asked itself from the the moment we became self-aware. and mythology, in the beginning, in primal and creation myths, that was our way of explaining that. It was our way of connecting to the being. Uh, some people call it God. Uh, the Sikhs call it Konkar. The Hindus call it Brahman. Uh, you know, there, There's a number of the, the Jews call it Yehovah. You, you know, should take your pick. Sure. Uh, but it was our way of connecting to something that we could never possibly understand, but putting it in his terms that we could verbalize into turn into a situation that we could we could visualize and see and so in creation myths you see that was when you first start to see this is you know for example as Sirona said earlier when you had her on uh... in some creation myths you have gods that are that dream the world into existence in other situations uh... and usually it's culture specific for example in american indian uh... uh... creation myths a lot of times you see a god literally fashioning the world physically in in, uh, in almost a, a physical way, uh, the world is almost uh, he, he's almost a carpenter building a house in the way that he that he builds the world, and you see that also quite a lot with African creation myths. Whereas you see a lot more of the uh, verbal creation myths in Eastern mythology, for example, Chinese, Judaic, uh, and Japanese mythology, where there was there was one simple act that that, that spontaneously brought everything into existence.
2: Are myths fact or are they just fiction?
1: They are not fiction. That's that's actually something that I, I deal with quite a bit. A lot of times when people hear fiction mm-hmm. or they hear they hear myth, they think that that myth means not true. And a lot of times when people, you know, for example, it's a very common saying. Well, that's just a myth. And when people say that, that's to mean that it's not true. It's something that's said uh, for a reason, but not necessarily true. However. I, and this is an example I use quite often. Is if you take, for example, The Boy Who Cried Wolf, the story of The Boy Who Cried Wolf. Mm-hmm. Very rarely do people people tell, have told that story for untold centuries. Never once has anyone ever questioned the historical validity of the story because the historical validity of the story is completely not relevant to the truth of the story. The, the truth is that if I continue to lie... Eventually, when I need people to believe me, they won't. That's the lesson and the truth the story has. And in myth, a lot of times, especially when myth gets tied into religion, a lot of times the semantic uh, facts get mixed up with the truth. And, and in people start to focus on the wrong aspect. You know, whether or not these things actually happened, whether or not this person or this place actually existed. When in truth, the focus should be, what what does this story tell us? And Genesis is a perfect example of that. Uh, you know, just recently, a friend of mine, uh, a colleague of mine, uh, went to one of these creationist museums, and uh, he had a very difficult time trying to understand what these people were. Uh, they were using scientific terms to try to explain something that, that, that was never meant to be explained in scientific terms. And the reason is, is they've gotten tied up in the facts of the of the myth instead in 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 doing so they've missed the forest for the tree so to speak they've they're spending far too much energy and far too much time focusing on the wrong side which is the factual truth instead of looking at what they should see which is the the applicable truth the the truth that the story conveys to the person
2: so is a myth just another way of Explaining um, some event that back way when they had no real knowledge of what had happened, and they would just make up this this um, this myth to explain it.
1: In a way, yes. And at times, like for example, in especially in Greco-Roman myth, you see that quite often, where you have gods used to explain uh, meteorological phenomena At that, mm-hmm. time. you know. Uh, it wasn't lightning and thunder, it was Deuce. You know, It wasn't a volcano, it was Vulcan. Uh, you know, uh, they even had gods to explain the phenomenon of love. You know, they, um, however, myth, whether or not it's used to explain actual physical events or physical uh, activities of the, of the planet we live in, the, the stories that these characters are involved in, the events that take place and the journeys that these characters go on and the symbols and the archetypes that are present remain the same from one civilization to another regardless of geographical separation. For example, you have, um, for example, the Great Deluge, you know, many scientists or many I want to say atheist, because not necessarily atheist, but a lot of people who are against the idea of, of, the, of the of there ever having been a, a global flood, they, for example, they argue, well, there's not enough water on the planet for there to have ever been a global flood. And I agree with them, there isn't. However, what you have to remember is that myths are written by people, and people's worlds are based on perception. And you have to think of what the perception was of primal man, that if I step out and I look, and all I see from me to the horizon is water, then in my mind the world has flooded, because that's the world. I, I don't know that the whole planet has flooded, because I don't even understand the concept of planet yet.
2: But your world has.
1: But my world has. And every civilization, from the Mesopotamians to the Jews to the American Indians, have a story of a great deluge mm-hmm. that took place. And each of them have a, a figure that in some way preserved the civilization. That existed before that deluge took place, and usually these the, the evil or the non-desirable parts of that civilization are destroyed by the flood, and the progressive parts of the civilization are what's preserved by that figure. Uh, Noah would be the one that most people are the, are probably the most familiar with in in uh, Western civilization.
2: So it's the old uh, it's the old uh, good versus evil and uh, good wins out over evil.
1: Sometimes uh... you see that very often as a matter of fact uh... that's one of the interesting things about christianity that you see uh... for example the existence of lucifer mm-hmm. uh... jude in judaism they finally have have they 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 far earlier on came to understand the wholeness of god um, that there that that all things exist in a balance god is not black nor white god is a gray area um, i often use the yin yang symbol to explain this That uh, You know, you have a white side and a black side, but those are not separate. They're together. And the color gray is not black and it's not white, but you cannot create gray without both. So what you have is the need, especially in the Western mind, to dichotomize God, to have you have the good God and the evil God. And that probably goes back to a lot of the pre-Christian ideas where you had, for example, you had um, Odin and Loki. Right. Brothers, but one that was a god of everything progressive—poetry, battle, uh, art, wisdom—and then you had his brother Loki, who was troublesome, destructive, uh, mischievous, uh, promiscuous, extremely promiscuous, uh, and 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 just in every single way, uh, the, his complete opposite. And in the Christian religion, uh, what I find interesting is that the the Lucifer, the idea of Lucifer is that he was created, you know, by God as an angel and then was cast down onto Earth. But the idea of him occupying a place called Hell uh, is actually a a purely Christian idea. That idea does not come from Judaism whatsoever. As a matter of fact, the word Hell is actually the name of a a Teutonic Norse goddess of the underworld. And it was added to the Bible to explain the domain of Lucifer to a new group of converts when the Roman Empire was expanding into those areas.
2: Stand by. You and I have to take a commercial break for the news at the bottom of the hour. Nathan Brown is our very special guest. And Nathan and I will be returning on the other side of this news break with a commercial set as the Exxon continues on the Talkstar Radio Network. Still to come on tonight's show, Robert Honeycutt is going to be joining me. We're going to be talking about the Georgia Ghost Society here on the X Zone. After all, this is truly a place for people dare to believe and dare to be heard. Monday through Friday from 10 p.m. Eastern until 2 a.m. Eastern
3: on the Talk Star Radio Network. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Do you owe the IRS $10,000 or more? Get ready for a toll-free number to Associated Tax Relief. Associated Tax Relief has helped others settle their tax debt with the IRS for mere pennies on the dollar. Associated Tax Relief's accountants, attorneys, and tax preparers are experts at negotiating with the IRS to settle your debt and put an end to the letters, wage garnishment, and hassles. In fact, the IRS is offering you a one-time opportunity to pay your tax debt for less than what you owe. You owe it to yourself to find out
0: Visit ALZ.org to join the fight.
3: thousands of dollars on your tax debt by calling for a free consultation. There is absolutely no cost or obligation for this free tax consultation. Get the facts on how Associated Tax Relief can help you settle your debt with the IRS. Call now, 800-655-3298. Don't wait another minute. Call for your free consultation at 800-655-3298. That's 800-655-3298. 800 655 Always wanted to
4: play the guitar? With the Victor Lee Guitar Method, if you've got a song you can hum in the shower, in just one easy lesson, you can start actually to read sheet music and play the guitar. You'll be playing beautifully in no time, and the tunes you write can actually be played on other instruments using the government-endorsed Victor Lee Guitar Translator. Victor Lee's amazing offer is online at www.victorleeguitarmethod.com. Learn how to play beautifully the guitar and read music and translate the music you write to be played on other instruments. Music is the international language and the copyrighted Victor Lee guitar translator instructions are available in most languages spoken around the world. Go now to www.victorleeguitarmethod.com. Open yourself to a wonderful world of music. www.victorleeguitarmethod.com
1: My name is Michael Telstar, Canada's leading mentalist from Toronto, Ontario.
0: Hi, my name is Bonza, and you're listening to my dad, Ron McConnell, on the XM.
4: This is Psychic Dorothy.
2: is our very special guest, and uh, Nathan is the author of Are You Ready for the Sex Nation? The Complete Idiot's Guide to World Mythology. Nathan, if in all these different mythologies, how come there are so many different gods?
1: Well, that's interesting for you to say. Um, there are different gods because you have to remember that each culture grew up in different environments, mm-hmm. different uh, geographical systems, different social systems and the gods were usually created in line with those social systems it it is probably likely that the gods actually evolved with those social systems for example if you and i hate to use this because earlier i I talked about not going too far into the greco-roman thing but Mm -hmm. if you they're a perfect example of that especially in the western world about how uh, they evolved from uh, using the gods as a way of explaining uh, different geographical and meteorological events uh, and then later, moving on to kind of dismissing that, and actually each god almost became a, a cult of its own. And then, when, when, even with the influx of Christianity into Rome with the, the reign of Constantine, uh, for example, the last one of the very last cults to exist was the cult of Dionysus uh, or Bacchus, uh, primarily because it was probably the most enjoyable cult to be in. Uh, it was uh, it was a, it was a cult of excess. Um, sexual excess and food and drink. and uh, uh, But, for example, there is, there is a Greek myth that talks about uh, it, that upon Christ's crucifixion, uh, um, a, a group of sailors were sailing by an island in the sea, and they heard a voice scream out from this island that my great Lord Pan is dead. It is to say that the, the, in, the incoming of Christianity destroyed the old gods, and God has been evolving, in the eyes of mankind from the beginning and that's kind of one of the problems we're running into right now uh... as i said earlier like for example with these creations museum is that that we don't understand that it's okay for human beings to change the way they perceive God because we can only perceive God based on what we know and what we know is limited often limited uh... to what we've been able to experience in the period in which we live Uh, you know for the longest time uh people believed that the earth was the center of the universe. Mm-hmm. And until science came along and smacked the church in the face and said, No, it's not. But the church held on to it for so so much longer than they should have, even when most educated people, far before Christopher Columbus came along, believed that the world was round, that we lived in a system where the sun was in the center. But the church very often religion tries to hold on to the rules they try to hold on to the original perception when that religion was created and uh... as a matter of fact I, 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 I constantly encourage people when they ask me about mythology to just to take a to take a period of time in which they abandon the ideas of religion because very often religion destroys spirituality it destroys our understanding of god because what it does is it does not allow us to to let that image of god in our minds evolve as it has since the dawn of time. For example, now we look back on the pagan and the polytheistic gods that explained, like I said earlier, meteorological phenomenon, and we think of that as ridiculous. Yes. But it wasn't ridiculous to the people at the time that those gods were created. Um,
2: so so it certainly seems that even though humans have evolved, gods haven't.
1: Not in the last few hundred years, no. Why is and, that? Well, it's... Be- Primarily because in, in our social system, religion has come to overshadow spirituality, um, and it's becoming an, it's it's unfortunate in some ways and good in others. Uh, in that more people are exposed to the idea of spirituality now because of 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 the fact that religion is so widespread. Almost like it, well, it is on a global level at this point. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it becomes a problem because people are are put into categories uh into denominations into religions and said you have to believe the rules that we give you if you don't believe those rules you're not one of us you're a heathen you're you're wrong and usually there's a punishment involved which most of those punishments are man made um, you know for example in Christianity do what we say or you go to hell That's and right. a lot of you know I I grew up in a family that when and when I was young uh my mother thank goodness raised uh raised all of us to believe that we should question everything religion or otherwise but uh, we grew up in a family that was primarily Southern Baptist and we were constantly taught that you don't question anything by by the the churches that we attended you know we, my brothers and I were kicked out of Bible school probably more times than I can count um, <laughs> hey I but, can,
2: so I can uh, I can uh, associate with that one
1: but the, the thing that would, would get me was that I, I I was kicked. Usually, we were kicked out for nothing more than asking a very simple question.
2: Exactly, and this is this has to be the the hardest uh, the hardest part for any child to understand is. Well, wait a minute. Why can't we ask questions?
1: Right. Exactly. But that see that's what myth is. Myth is man or humankind asking questions. Mm-hmm. We're we're asking those like I said earlier those big questions. You know, it's the big questions that we've been asking for forever. But until the science catches up to the spirituality, which I believe one day is possible that it will. But for now, not really. It's not, we're not really that far ahead yet. Uh, but we have this human idea that we're here and God is somewhere else. And, and in mythology, that's actually what's not what we're taught. What we're taught is we're here and so is God. But that we're separated from him by physical reality, or by, or to I say him only because we have a language that's gender specific. Um, God, I don't believe has a gender, uh, but unfortunately in English we don't have a word for that. But you know we we live in a world where we have to be able to put terms on things. Uh, but in like for example, uh, if you take the seven days of creation, right. Um, and I I keep coming back to these creationist groups and hopefully they don't feel like I'm bashing them Um, (laughs) because they're they're a little bit uh, aggressive sometimes Uh, but you know many of these groups have tried to find scientific ways to explain how God possibly could have made the earth in seven days exactly but if you go to any rabbi or any Judaic student which by the way that text came from their book uh, they will explain to you that that the seven days is a numerological symbol, seven in their in their numerology is the number of completion. As for example three, is the number of return. Forty is the number of purification, which explains why you have tons of situations where I figure, as a figure. Matter of fact, you have situations that predate the Judaic or even the the Christianity story of the of the crucifixion and resurrection. If you look, for example, on the story of Inanna uh, from Mesopotamian myth, she was nailed to a log hung on a wall in the underworld by by her sister, who was the goddess of the underworld, and three days later she was resurrected. Wow. Does that now sound that, familiar?
2: It certainly does.
1: <laughs> and but, the, but what we do is we get caught, like I said earlier, we get caught up in the fact, and we miss the truth. The seven days of creation is there to say that this is the time of completion. This is God completed the earth, and and those days are, are split up in a way that explains the Trinity that was going to be created, and and don't get me started on Trinity because I'll be here for hours. But uh, unfortunately, what what has happened is we have all these people who are trying to say, well, the Bible says that God created the world in seven days, so that's what happened exactly. That would be like me saying um, Achilles didn't die until he was shot in the ankle. So therefore, Achilles must have had a large artery in his ankle and definitely died that way. When in truth, it's, it's, the, 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 we know anatomically now that a person gets shot in the ankle by an arrow, chances of that being fatal are pretty slim. That's right. But at the time, but they, it, it, I can't prove that now. And what that's the problem is that we have these few people who are trying to prove the facts when in fact, they, when, and by doing so, they ignore the truth
2: all right you mentioned uh... the trinities why shouldn't we mention the trinities and what uh, is so important?
1: because that's what most of my research is based on and i have a tendency to ramble on about it Um i actually believe that trinities are the one uh... a few years back i i actually would say i stumbled upon a a uh... structure based on trinities that uh... exists in mythology i so far i've diagrammed 275 different myths from every culture on the planet uh, using the exact same structure okay. of, of trinities. Uh, for, like, for example, you have the Father-Son-Holy-Spirit trinity. Right. Okay, that's the one most people are familiar with. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Son is the body, and as all people know, the body will eventually die. The mind is the father, the teacher, or the sustainer. That's, that's the person... That, that is basically the part of us that continues on with the soul after death. And the soul is eternal. The soul is both positive and negative, and, and at the same time, neither. And, and that's the part of us that we don't understand, the part of us that continues on after death un, undoubtedly. Now, if you take, for example, that, and you compare it to the three parts of a human being that most humans will acknowledge exist, which is the body, the mind, and the soul. Right. And then... For example, you take that and you compare that to Hinduism, where they have Shiva, God of Destruction, the body. You have Vishnu, the dreamer, who keeps our world in existence. His dream is the reality in which we live. He's the sustainer. He's the mind. And then you have Brahman, the creator, who existed before the world and will exist afterwards. He's the soul. But the interesting thing is that, uh, are you familiar with a Venn diagram, for example? Yes, I am. If you take three circles and interlock them, you have seven empty spaces in between. Mm -hmm. All trinities are usually accompanied by seven objects, and until those seven objects are are present, the trinity will not go through a certain uh, series of events. And it's basically the events that take place in human life as well, and in most of the cosmos. That everything that is physical dies, but it leaves behind a part of or some evidence of its existence. Yet there's also another part, the energy that's left behind, that goes on and is, is absorbed by something else. You know, when a human dies, you know, our energy goes into the earth and it becomes a plant or it becomes food for a worm. It, you know, it, the energy remains and it gets not necessarily recycled, but turns somewhere else. And in my opinion, the trinity is, is. For example, in Genesis and in most creation myths, it is agreed that God created human beings in, his, in well, in, in Genesis it says, in his image, which is actually a mistranslation. But uh, it, it actually means in the structure of, or in the, in the manner of, God. So when man was created, we were created in the same structure. It's not a visual image as we understand image, because I, God doesn't have an image. He can't have, she can't have an image. Why not? We, well, because he's transcendental. A uh, transcendent being, the moment that it, it can be labeled or, or even uh, confined in any by anything, it ceases to be transcendental. Uh, uh, God ceases to be God the moment he can be seen.
2: All right, who created God? It was God a creation of, you know, of man's mind? That's a really mind.
1: interesting question because that's also a question that a lot of religions ask. And my answer to you is nobody knows <laughs> because there really isn't a way of answering that because you have to realize we live in a three-dimensional reality. Yeah. But as you said earlier, you were talking earlier when you were talking with, uh, with Sirona about you know, space-time, the fourth dimension. Mm-hmm. Well, how well do we really understand the fourth dimension at this point? We don't. No, we have no idea, any more than we understand how electricity works. Exactly. You know, for the longest time, we thought electricity worked by waves. And then we found out that electricity also moves by particles. So at this point, we don't even know how electric lines work.
2: You know, we, we like to think we know everything, but when, it, when the truth be known, we know so little.
1: Oh, absolutely, everything. especially when it comes to existence. Right. And, you know, for example, right now, we have so many advances being made in quantum mechanics, for example, in quantum physics um, and particle physics. You know, for the longest time, we thought that solid matter was solid matter. Mm-hmm. Now we know that 90% of solid matter is empty space. So by that rationale, I should be able to put my hand through a wall without harming the wall or my hand. But I can't do it because I don't know how to move all those solid particles out of the way. And if we really understand so much about existence, that shouldn't be that all that difficult.
2: It shouldn't, but it is because we don't know everything yet.
1: Exactly. And myth is the way that we acknowledge that. For example, take The Matrix, the, okay. movie, the, Ma- yep. the movie series, The Matrix. That takes place in a realm that is virtual in a computer-created world. Because that's the new world that we're just now beginning to understand. There are things that we're learning to do with computers that we really don't get how they work either. And so there's almost this new mythology. There's almost a spirituality that, that revolves around this idea of, this, of the World Wide Web and of computers. And, for example, the, the Matrix is actually Vishnu from Hindu mythology. Vishnu is the dreamer. Our reality isn't even real. This is his dream, and when he wakes up, it will all go away. Nathan, stand
2: by. We him have him. to take a commercial break. We'll be back on the other side of this uh, commercial set. one 877 528 is toll-free. Nathan uh, Brown and I will be back on the other side of this break. Don't go away. We'll, we'll be right back.
4: If you currently have a short-term fixed-rate home mortgage, you do need to listen to this. The mortgage industry is rapidly changing and no one knows that better than your friends in the money business Prime Pacific Capital. Every day, new guidelines are making it more and more difficult for homeowners to refinance the current mortgage. Don't get caught with the high interest rate and increased payments once that loan automatically adjusts. Interest rates are still low. Call Prime Pacific Capital today and refinance into a long-term rate rate fixed mortgage. No matter what your credit situation or what state you live in, Prime Pacific Capital will work to secure a new loan for you. Don't count yourself out until you give us a call. A loan specialist is standing by to assist you with your free consultation. Make that call today 1 866 464 1800 1 464 Call Prime Pacific Capital at 1 866 464
2: Nathan Brown is our special guest this hour, Exone Nation. He is the author of the Complete Idiot's Guide to World Mythology. And first of all, uh, Nathan, thank you very much for joining us tonight. It's been a very, uh, very enlightening hour.
1: Oh, it's been a pleasure.
2: Tell me, uh, what is your favorite mythological story?
1: Oh wow, that's a tough one. I have—I would have to say I have two. Okay. Um, probably King Arthur. The the Arthurian uh, legends would be my my. Uh, my first love mm-hmm. because they were the first one I was introduced to. Um, however, uh I as an adult I've become more and more interested in Asian mythology and actually I, I'm very interested in the myths that surround, for example, the swordsman Miyamoto Musashi. Uh for example the the, the legend of the, the duel at Ganryu Island, which is actually a sandbar, uh that no longer exists. Uh, it it it's an interesting story because the Japanese have a very interesting view in that there are three versions to everything there's the accepted version mm-hmm. then you have the the possible version and then you have what actually happened and it's actually considered impolite in Japanese society to speak of any story in the truthful version if that's not the accepted version uh, there's actually an insult in Japanese which translates into English as truth freak that um, it, that it, it's, it, it's it's pretty much one of the worst things you can be in that, in that culture. Um, one example I always use, one of the founders of Okinawa Karate, for example, uh, there's a story about him where he's walking home one day and a gentleman attacks him with a sigh and throws the sigh at him, or, th- or throws, a, I guess you should say, a dagger, uh, and he dodges it. And he reaches into the side vent of his, of his hakama, his trousers, and pulls out a wet towel, which he had been in the habit of carrying in his trousers, snaps the man in the face, grabs the sigh and stabs him to death. That's the accepted version. However, (laughs) there are some holes in the story. Okay. Obviously, for example, why in the world does anybody carry a wet towel in their pants?
2: Well, you know what? I was going to ask you that.
1: Well, the truth is, what what more likely happened was he had been out drinking sake with friends, Uh probably quite late, is stumbling home, and stumbles at the wrong moment. The assassin throws the sigh and misses because his movement is so erratic. At which point, he urinates on himself. And I don't know if you've seen the undergarment. It's similar to what sumo wrestlers wear now. Mm-hmm. It's basically a towel that's wrapped and tugged. He reached into his side van, grabbed the urine-soaked cloth, threw it in the face of his attacker, who then started to recoil and wretch from having this urine-soaked piece of cloth thrown in his face. Mm-hmm. At which point, he grabbed the side and stabbed the man to death. However, that doesn't make him sound too heroic.
2: No, it doesn't. So we and have to... to-
1: and the other version makes for a much better story. So uh, that, that version is really not accepted, and you really can't even <laughs> tell that version of the story in the company of most uh, Japanese people.
2: Nathan, I want to thank you very much for joining us tonight. Unfortunately, we've run out of time for it tonight, but we'll have you back on in the future.
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much, Robert.
2: Take care of yourself, sir. Nathan Brown, very interesting young man. They completed its guide to world mythology. Now, when we come back from the news at the top of the hour at six and a half minutes past, we'll be joined by Robert Honeycutt. He is with the, he is the president and founder of the Georgia Ghost Society. One eight seven seven five two eight eight two five five is toll free. My name is Rob McConnell, and you are listening and watching the X Zone Radio Show on the Talkstar Radio Network, X Zone TV, and on shortwave. Don't go away. We'll be back.